0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. Here to talk all things hockey. Are your hosts Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: Evan, you are nothing if not true to your brand. <laughs> <laughs> and I I can't say that more emphatically than I can I've, than I am right now looking at you with your stupid cycling glasses on right now.
0: I have no idea what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's this, part of it. This is me now. Oh. The
0: colors man. just pop right now. I can see everything. <laughs>
2: Fortunately, people
0: can see my screen.
1: Every once in a while, we encourage everyone, even if you don't watch on YouTube, like listen to the podcast however you listen to it, um leave a rating. Um just check it out on on YouTube just to see Evan very quickly. Um Evan, I would have said that just seeing you as is right now but really that that this intro has been planned since was it last night or the night before brad it was the night before right what day is it today is is wednesday yeah it was monday night monday night i uh opened twitter and i refreshed my feed and what's at the top other than a tweet from evan which for those of you who follow us on twitter which please do at winged wheel pod uh brad's getting close to 5,000, is it, Brad? I haven't checked in a while, but yeah, I know I was creeping up there. Help Brad get to 5,000. Anyways, um, I, I saw a tweet from Evan, which is a rarity, a big rarity. Evan's a master retweeter, but saves his tweets for just, like, the most random shit in the world. And it's a picture of Evan and his girlfriend, Kat, in front of a house. And... <laughs> Evan after we've been talking about this for a while I think years now at this point constantly either on the show or in our group chat keeping each other apprised of you know your house hunt and Brad when you were still looking and and everything and I I look at it and I went I just I learned that Evan got his house through a tweet.
0: Well I wasn't going to post it on social media at all but (laughs) apparently that's a requirement so I decided that's where I can get the most clout, so I will post it there. So you may have never found out at all.
2: It's it's not just that it was via a tweet, because I don't think you saw it till I tagged you in a reply. <laughs> we actually and, saw it the exact same time, Brad. And I was literally I,
1: typing as you replied,
2: yeah. And when I replied, I'm pretty sure the timestamp on Evan's tweet was like six hours ago. <laughs> I wasn't on Twitter a lot that day, and then I'm like, Evan tweeted six hours ago oh shit he got a house
1: just amazing and you you put it perfectly brad we're never going to know where that house is we're never going to be on the inside of it no uh someone commented it's a bit smaller than i was expecting because you know evan's a secret billionaire but it's just that evan took a picture of one house out of the entire block that he bought
0: (laughs) that's also how much it costs to buy a house in kitchener waterloo yeah he
2: paid 3.2 million for that (laughs) Which probably oh. might be true in five years, honestly.
1: I shouted to the other room to Mel that, you know, Evan got a house. And she's like, What? And I was like, Yeah, I found out on Twitter. And she went, Yeah, fucking course you did.
0: <laughs> I'm glad to see you're paying attention to my Twitter feed.
2: Yeah, we have a also- blurb set for when you tweet because we know it's something. As you should
1: oh man it's just so stupid anyways congrats man that's huge
0: thank you i am glad i'm equally parts happy as i am glad to be done and poor mostly poor yeah (laughs) yeah i don't know it's good yeah we're we're excited uh we don't move until end of july so got lots of time to do normal people stuff for a while and uh cross the cross the t's and dot the i's um yeah we're happy
1: evan talks about his personal life like michael rasmussen talks about a game winning goal in an interview after the game so uh michael how was that uh that goal it's you picked up your plate it was huge for you to get it out there how are you feeling good yeah that was uh it was good to get the win and uh good to get the goal so i i feel good okay yep
0: <laughs> well it's been we've been trying for so long to get a freaking house and now it's finally done so it's just kind of like this weight off our backs
1: we're uh we're excited for the whole pandemic to end and for evan to move in because he'll be hosting several um off like off location uh patreon meetups in his basement
0: oh we're already uh i already got a, a a line on a hot tub so
1: oh yeah here we go oh man welcome to the winged wheel podcast Unfortunately, I'm Ryan Hanna.
2: Yeah, good way to put it. Unfortunately, I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan.
1: Yeah, nothing custom for Evan. Uh, On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we are going to be talking about Red Wings hockey, believe it or not. Um, We're going to give you a blisteringly fast recap of their game last night against Florida and mostly get into some more uh, trade discussion as well as a recap of a small waiver situation that... Ended up being nothing but still an interesting thing to talk about. We're going to be doing another prospect profile today, none other than Michigan's Kent Johnson. And uh, our, we're going to also be covering some news from around the NHL. There's another goalie contract signed. Uh, McDavid uh, threw a hit against Kenyemi which was uh, <laughs> not great. <laughs> and then we'll get into overtime. Um, But first, uh, something that we've been talking about and we want to continue talking about is um, that we've partnered with the Jamie Daniels Foundation to help further their message. Uh, The more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative that was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father, none other than the Red Wings lead announcer... Ken Daniels, and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. The foundation strives to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provides support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and support the Jamie Daniels Foundation, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. More to come on that. All right. The Red Wings versus the Panthers. How is the same Red Wings team that came out against Columbus last weekend especially the first game against Columbus the ones who opened up this game in Florida last night I get that Florida's a much better team than Columbus but wow the difference in the Red Wings coming out is is absolutely to steal some of Brad's verbiage here
2: staggering yeah um Generally, when a team is as wildly inconsistent as the Red Wings, you know, they went from arguably their two worst games of the season to their two best games of the season to another absolute stinker in a span of nine days with virtually the same roster, no new injuries, no big moves in that time. So when you see a team that inconsistent, that points to coaching not going to beat that dead horse. I don't think that shocks anybody here, but yeah, it's just perfect word, staggering that they can go from that extreme to another. And the fact that they've done it, the only thing they've been consistent at this year is how inconsistent they've been. So it, I wasn't surprised, you know, we we can sit here and say, oh yeah, well, Florida is a much better team than Columbus. And mostly you're, that's right, except they didn't have Barkov or Ekblad for that game. So, when they're missing two of their three best players, and they were missing Patrick Hornquist, who's a notorious Red Wing killer, and they still have that beatdown laid on them, that is a bad look for everybody involved.
1: The... um the whole Calvin Pickard thing was bound to like, he wasn't going to come out and dominate three straight games with that Red Wings team in front of him, especially against Florida. It's pretty difficult. Uh, he got chased pretty early in favor of Grice who let in, I believe one more cause it ended up with four, four goals that, yeah. Um, and that is what it is. I don't, I don't think anyone can expect Calvin Pickard to have done too much more based on the, the caliber of goalie he is. So that's not really the issue. Um, I want to highlight maybe a positive first before getting into uh, a couple more things that are going to be not the the same dead horse we've been beating, but some different conversations around roster selections. Uh, Philip Zadina was found wide open on the power play by Larkin. Again, love that connection. I love how those two are clicking. And Philip Zadina, when he's wide open in that spot to the goalie's left, is just automatic. It doesn't matter who's in net. It doesn't matter how they're positioned. He will find a spot and he'll pick it. That was a phenomenal snipe from in close um really great power play goal and it 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 brings me to a bigger conversation with philip zadina there's been some uh moments over the past little while since he's come back from injury really especially since he and larkin have both come back from injury where zadina really i think is has a small window of where he he can receive those passes to get that kind of automatic shot off that i just talked about because even though he's automatic there It's not been a colossal amount of goals coming from there. Um, One thing that I think we'll see improve or Zidane has to improve and that we will see get there is he needs to be able to adapt his release a little bit. Um, The hallmark of a great player who kind of can get that shot off either on a one t or, um, you know, catch and release pretty quickly. Their range of where they can catch that puck and, and fire that puck is, is pretty big, relatively speaking. Um, and it's not that Zidane is a bad shooter. He's a notably really good shooter. But right now, he's looking for that puck in the perfect spot. So he does have some work to do in my mind uh, in being able to get that catch and release or one-timer off of it an imperfect pass.
2: I don't know. I'll I'll plainly disagree with that, actually. He's just had some terrible luck in those spots because... Again, one of the cr- not criticisms of Heronik, but one of the reasons I don't like Heronic on that spot is Zadina isn't getting good passes there. And you're right, and you know that goal he had was the perfect scenario where he got it with time and space. And when Zadina has time and space and the puck on his stick, it's going in more than it's not. The most of the time he hasn't scored this year is because the shot gets blocked or he has to release it poorly. Because Even on that goal, I don't even think it was more than two minutes before that. He had a one-timer where the goalie made a circus save. Um, Not circus save, but like a really, really good post-to-post save. That pass came to Zadina in front of his front foot. And he literally just threw all his momentum forward and managed to get a lot more on that puck than I thought he would have and got it to the net. So, I don't think the problem with Zadina is... That he's looking for that perfect pass. I think the problem with Zidane is he's never getting that perfect pass. It, he, yeah, he has to deal with bad pucks constantly, and there's been a few. And again, it's been 11 games since his last goal, uh, which his last goal was extremely off balance, away from his momentum. We talked about it in detail against Carolina. What happened? Um. He had a few where he caught them clean on good passes and the goalies just robbed him blind. He's, he's had horrible luck. I think his shooting percentage is still un extremely unsustainably low. Um, so I think he's done a pretty decent job with the hand he's been dealt. Honestly, Phillips Adina was one of the reasons I thought there was a chance Detroit might have made a waiver claim yesterday, um, which we'll get into later, but yeah i think he's he's done a pretty good job and the one thing he's done a better job with is he's earlier in the season he was just firing anything and everything from anywhere into shins into pads through traffic into the goalie's chest he he didn't see a shot he didn't like since he's come back from his stint on the covid list he's been more patient with the puck he's made better passes he's still taking the shots when they're there, but he, he's been a bit more selective because he knows like, well, if everything's coming at me three feet outside of my wheelhouse or bouncing or not at all, what am I going to do with it? Because it, it, it's almost easy to forget. Zadina's third on this team in assists right now. So he, he's making do with what he's been given. And before Larkin went on that power play unit with him, what he was given was essentially nothing of value.
1: So it, when it's, you were... My brain auto-filled your, your sentence there. You were saying Zadina is third, and my brain went, 30. He's 30. And I was like, how is he already 30? <laughs> it's been a long rebuild. Yeah. My thing is, I don't think, like, I I, I don't want to pose what I just said about Zadina as a problem or an issue. I don't think it is. I think it's like, that's. I was more putting it forward as like a commentary on him as the player. You're completely right. The passes he's been getting are garbage. Or at the very least, Larkin is the only one making passes, or who can make that seam pass across the front to Zadina on the other side, which is to get the goalie and the defense moving, which is to generate space for Zadina, which is why it has it's so mind blowing when it happens, and then the Red Wings don't do it for another 25 power play chances.
2: I digress.
1: But when he gets those passes, it's only from Larkin, and Larkin is, you know, only human. He'll he'll make a great pass like eight times, but there's still two or three in a row thereafter that are just not exactly fine-tuned so no and i don't it's not an issue for zadina it's something that i think as he improves we'll see an, a, an expansion of his skills an expansion of the production the goals will, st- will start to come easier when it when things line up for him which is not happening often enough because he's not surrounded by you know the best talent all the time uh it still works but the great players make it work even when it's not perfect. The great players make their own luck. Will Zadina be a prolific goal scorer? I don't know. Maybe he's just a good goal scorer, a great goal scorer, but maybe not one of the best in the NHL. But to get up to that elite shooting status, I think is when you kind of are able to adjust and play with those bad passes. To to compare him to, it, I think, a very fair comparison, Alex Ovechkin. That Absolutely. guy can fire a one timer. But no, seriously, like as a, as a very exaggerated example, look at his releases. Not every puck is exactly where he needed them. He still puts them home.
2: Yeah. And to, to your point of elite players make it happen. And again, defining elite, very good, whatever. That that debate will happen in Zadine in a few years. So I'm not worried about that now. But uh, great players take what's given to them. Well, Zadine is an elite shooter and goal scorer who is third on the team in assists. He is making do with the hand grenades they are tossing him, and he's giving it back to them the way they should have given it to him.
1: I think Evan's fifth on the team in assists. Whenever someone's like, this player's this on the team in assists, I'm like, what does that mean on these Red Wings? It doesn't mean anything.
0: It's significantly relevant or uh, relative.
2: Well, yeah, nobody on the Red Wings is going to be shooting up the NHL assist lead because they're the Red Wings. But the counter argument using the same logic is, He's getting multiple players on these Red Wings goals, which is yeah. almost so yeah. it's worth pointing out both ways. Anyways, uh, that was the only positive
1: to come from that game. I want to have a quick discussion on Troy Stetcher. Uh, Old he's, been, he's been scratched for the last little while. Um, when he was scratched or w- when he came out of the lineup, I immediately thought injury because when he had actually missed time due to injury and he came back, he didn't look good. Like he played, what was it? A couple games, a few games. Yeah. Um, and off he anyway. didn't really look like the stetcher that started the season. And I thought, all right, well, he's still banged up. There's no way he had that big of a drop off. So when he came out, um, I was like, yeah, they're just keeping him out. And, uh, i don't know how much of this to attribute to just exhaustion so i'm constantly trying to find excuses (laughs) and i don't know how much to attribute to um this team being like or the nhl maybe it's hard to just pin this on the red wings uh like sometimes mind-numbingly secretive with player decisions or roster decisions like we have no news on burt there's been there was nothing on stetcher um it's very cagey the responses you get about injuries but Something just seems off here. It doesn't make sense for Stetcher to come out, even as someone who mostly disagrees with a lot of the roster decisions Stetcher makes. The only two solutions I can think of are he's banged up and they're keeping him out. Or this has more to do with auditioning other players to trade than it is about Stetcher. Or third option, it's a combination of Stetcher being banged up and they want him as healthy as possible because he's gotten a lot of interest on the trade market. That, that's what comes to mind. I, I have a hard time believing this is just a pure straight on Blaschel sitting st- Stetcher after two
2: bad games. So I think the most likely option is the fourth option you didn't mention, which is just Jeff Blashill continues to be an exceptionally poor uh, evaluator of talent. Um, so <laughs> Occam's razor, <laughs> the simplest explanation is usually the correct one. And I think, I think that's the case. Now let me, Anybody who has listened to this podcast before follows me on Twitter knew this rant was coming today. So let me preface this by saying, if Troy Stecher is still injured in any way, everything I'm about to say gets wiped. It means nothing. I agree. Don't play him if he's hurt. The Red Wings have a surplus of defensemen right now. If he's banged up, you don't set, he does not step foot on the ice until he is a hundred percent healthy, especially in a season that means nothing. There's no sense risking it. That being said, when Blashill was asked about it, he never mentioned that Stetcher couldn't play or that he was still banged up. He was banged up recently, so I think a logical conclusion is that might be the scenario, the case here. Blashill's answer about why. Uh, Stetcher wasn't in the lineup. I'm not fully sure there was a, a single, uh, English sentence in the whole <laughs> statement. <laughs> he it didn't was, say anything. It was mindless code speech. It it was that scene that Michael Scott quote from the office where he just starts a sentence and he doesn't know where it's going. And Blaschel never found the way on any of those sentences. Like it's that the is pers- the most. That was the it's most the f- words I've ever seen used without saying anything.
1: It's the first 11 words Evan says as he's trying to catch up and get up to speed on what we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, we have a podcast. We know what it's like s- just throwing words into the void and hoping that they make sense at the end.
1: Yeah,
2: that's all I do, honestly. But he did not string together a single coherent sentence. So I'm not taking anything from that statement. It Take everything he said there and throw it in the garbage. It means nothing. So assuming Stetcher is healthy and capable of playing, this is easily the most egregious roster decision Blashill's has made maybe in his entire tenure as Red Wings coach. Because let's be clear, we bitch a lot about Chelowski not being in the lineup, Svechnikov not being in the lineup, Giovanni Smith not being in the lineup. That's more so about player development. I understand that if you pull an Adam Ernie out and put an Evgeny Svechnikov in to use two players as an example, that for that single game, there's not that much of a net gain, if any at all. Now, in most of these cases, you argue Helm versus Svechnikov or Smith, etc. I'll still argue that Smith and Svechnikov as they are now are upgrades, but I understand it's marginal but we're looking at the big picture years ahead. Troy Stetcher's not young. We don't care about his development. He is who he is now. And I have to speak a little vague on this one because I forget the exact stat. But before his injury, and it was a good chunk of the way into the season, one of the analytics that measures how good a defenseman is, one of the more prominent ones, um, said that Troy Stetcher was the 17th best defenseman in the entire NHL. In the entire NHL. And he got scratched. He better be injured. Because I don't care if he had two bad games. He has been everything we could have hoped for and more so far this season. Relative to expectations. He was their best defenseman. I don't even think anybody was really arguing that despite how much we all like Heronic and, and Heronik's point totals. We knew Stetcher was the guy that was leading the charge. He turned Mark Stahl into a capable defender this year. Although I've come down to my Mark Stahl hate. He, he has, he is slowly converting me to passable.
1: I'm impressed with Mark Stahl, honestly, like yeah, all relative, Like, yeah, he,
2: he still has his brain farts, but I've, I've come around. Um, but yeah, Stetcher was terrific. And he gets scratched, and on a good team if if Troy Stetcher was a defenseman on the Tampa Bay Lightning right now, there is not an argument to take him out of the lineup if he's not hurt. Then you look at the Red Wings, and I kind of you know let's just gesture broadly in Danny to Kaiser's direction right now. I love Danny De Kaiser, and it sucks that his career has went off the rails due to injuries. He is horrible lately. That game against Florida was his piece de resistance of how bad an NHL defenseman can be and still play in an NHL game. It was bad. If you're looking at this and going, yeah, I want that in the lineup over Troy Stetcher. I have no conversation. To, there's no conversation to be had with that person. That person is crazy. Crazy. So I just, again, to repeat, if Stetcher's injured, none of this matters. Right call. If he's not, this is the most confusing and just downright infuriating decisions Blashill has made. I don't, again...
1: This might be me making excuses because I am too tired. And when I'm too tired, I make excuses so I don't have to face the reality. It's just one, it's a nice little cork I have. Um, I, I can't help but think that it's either injury or trade related. Not keeping them out because they don't want to risk it for a trade, but it's either purely injury or injury and trade in one right like they want to keep him healthy because like you said Stetcher is performing extremely well he's 26 years old he's signed through this year and next at an amazing cap hit compared to his on ice performance do I want to keep Troy Stetcher on this team yeah absolutely probably more than I want to keep Jonathan Bernier on this team and it's it's no secret that yeah Bernie gets dealt great that's an asset but if he stays a lot of Red Wings fans are gonna be relieved because he gives actual real NHL goaltending but back to my point, I, I don't find it hard to believe that Stetcher got, has gotten so many so much interest and so many, you know, tire kicks or, or knock on the door. or Eisenman's phone has been going off to say, hey, can we throw you a third and a fifth? Can we throw you a second? Like m- maybe Eisenman's like, hey, this guy could get us a huge return to the point where, yeah, it would suck to lose him, but I'm not going to turn down two seconds or something like that. But I need him healthy to have that option. Yeah. It's within the window. The trade deadline's in 12 days. I I can see all that. Or, again, Stetcher played like shit those few games. That is uncharacteristic. Maybe he is just banged up and they're just, I don't know. They, they, they didn't say it's because he's officially injured because the doctor cleared him, but he still needed time to, I don't know. It just, like you said, it, it's mind-blowing. And this one is especially bad considering, like, relative to all the other decisions we've agreed to, or we've disagreed with, this one, if it's purely just... Pull setcher out for no reason, then yeah, I, the the bad games is what's throwing me back to no. This this it's an injury thing. It has to be.
2: It has to. Be. It has to be. And I, I was starting to get the thoughts of hey, you know, with a lot of injuries going around in the NHL and teams like Nashville and Columbus getting back into the playoff race, teams who have two teams who have very interesting uh, defense. Uh, available for trade like Matthias Ekholm might not get traded now because Nashville's in a playoff spot David Savard might not get traded because Columbus is still hanging around Stetcher could be unbelievably valuable especially to a team like Florida who just lost Aaron Eckblad to the season and they need to plug a hole in the right side of their defense Stetcher would make a ton of sense his cap hits unbelievably low and he's not just a pure rental you get another season out of him so as much as I I think Troy Setcher's a, a solution on the right side for the Red Wings for maybe three, four, five years, yeah, you have to explore that. So if they're if he is still banged up and they're protecting the asset, of course, thousand percent agree with the decision. No argument for me here. But then why did you play him in those two games if that was the course of action? Like, um, or at least come out and say he's banged up. Well, I guess you don't want other teams knowing that, but that's fair. But if it's for auditioning other guys for trades, I'm sorry. Nobody's trading for Danny DeKaiser.
1: They're not. I, that's the only other thing that came to mind. Maybe a maximum retention, so 50% of his salary. Does anyone give a sixth-round pick for Danny
2: DeKaiser? No, you would have to give a sweetener to get rid of that contract. A 1000 If Shane Bear doesn't get claimed on waivers, you're not trading Danny DeKaiser for anything. Like, DeKaiser's already cleared waivers once this year, and that was back when he was playing better than he is now, which was still terrible. Um, You know, there is an argument to be made for let's play Mark Stahl, let's play John Merrill, let's play play Patrick Nemeth because they're all on expiring contracts and hey, maybe we move two or three of them at the deadline for a decent return. I get it. No arguments here. But the existence of Danny DeKaiser leads me to believe that's not the case. So I, I think this boils down to one of two things. Blashill really sucks at his job in talent evaluating. Very likely. Troy Stetcher is still hurt. Very likely. We don't know which one it is, but I would bet good money. It's one of those two.
1: Evan, what's your what's your thought? Where do you land on this?
0: Honestly, I don't really care because at <laughs> the end of the day, it's the Detroit defenseman. And whether you got Danny DeKaiser in or Troy Stetcher, we're not winning many more games based on that decision. I if think, they think if they can get assets, if they have a strong indication they can get assets for Troy Stetcher, then that logic makes sense to me. But other than that, okay.
1: I'd like to differ. I think the difference between DeKaiser and Stetcher could be the difference in a win. And that's more that's just a much, as much a testament to how bad DeKaiser has been this year as it is to how, how
2: good Stetcher has been. And also it's worth noting, and I know people scoff at this idea, but you know, from an outside perspective, is it's meaningless. But when you're in the room, when you see a guy like the Kaiser performing like that, and you see a guy like Stetcher scratched, if it is purely a performance decision, that sends a horrible message through the room to the rest of the guys. It's what is happening here? It confuses the rest of the players, it frustrates players that have to play with these guys because the other players on the ice very heavily affect what happens to you when you're on the ice. So you can argue the Red Wing season is a write-off and it, it is wins and losses right now. I don't care. That's just all about moral support. Yeah. You want them to win enough so that we don't get what's happening in Buffalo right now. But at the same time, guys are playing for contracts. Guys are playing for pride. You know, the, everybody's trying to build a winning culture in a rebuild so if you're getting stuck out there, like hypothetically, you're Philip Heronick and you have a contract coming up and you're getting stuck out there with the Kaiser every goddamn shift when you could be playing with Troy Stecher, you know, hypothetically, yeah, that's going to rub some guys the wrong way. So again, it's either injury or Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay.
1: Some news that, has, that came out um, recently was that Philly – very obviously, this is a team that's struggling, and a lot of it is falling on Carter Hart, uh, their star young goaltender. Only 22 years old, is having a pretty brutal season. The only goalie saving, or the only goalie with a, a, a worse, you know, goals saved below expected, is Thomas Christ. Right now. Oh God! So that's where we're at with Carter Hart. Nobody in their right minds is saying getting get rid of Carter Hart he's not the solution anymore it's a 22 22 year old playing the most you know mentally dependent or the biggest mental game possibly in sports it's an NHL goalie. They're going to have their ups and downs. And when he's young, you, you really need to be patient. So what Philly is apparently looking to do, according to, I believe, Pierre Lebrun, is shelter him a little bit by bringing in some veteran goaltending to uh, not have to rely on Carter Hart so much and give him some room to breathe and take a little bit of the pressure off. Who is one of their primary targets? None other than Detroit's Jonathan Bernier. Still injured, but apparently getting a little bit closer to return. So with Shane Goss' to spare. Uh, having cleared waivers, which I'm a little surprised by. I'm not surprised that Detroit didn't pick him up, but I'm surprised he cleared through all 31 teams. Uh, But with him clearing waivers into account, what is a realistic trade, do you think, for
2: Bernier and Philadelphia? So there's a lot of realistic options here because the Flyers have a deep prospect pool. I think they have most of their own picks still. Um, So without overthinking it, I think the most realistic trade scenario for Bernier is a second or a third round pick or a half decent prospect i don't know pick like an isaac ratcliffe or something like that if you want to get weird i mean there is a a trade to be made in here with goss despair with the sweetener for bernier plus you know there will probably be salary retained here and there yada yada has there ever been a trade where salary has been retained on both contracts going the other way because yeah, it sure would make it has been because it would make sense if they could even out the money this year where Detroit retains on Bernier, Philly retains on Goss to spare because Philly needs to keep their cat pit down this year. But Detroit's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next year, though, we don't want $4.5 million of Goss to spare. So we'll retain on Bernier for this year to help you out. But we need the help next year or we don't want to pay it next year, etc. Don't know if that's possible, but that could be fascinating. But yeah, if the Red Wings are willing to take Goss to spare in return, and let me be clear, they should be, depending on the dollars here, um, y- it could be a pretty interesting trade. Now, the ultimate best case scenario is the Red Wings trade Bernier and let's say another piece that the that the Flyers need. Let's just say hypothetically, it's Bobby Ryan. Could be anybody, and. The Flyers send Goss to Spare, no salary retained and and their first round pick if they think they're gonna make the playoffs. Now, with the way Philly's season has gone the last two to three weeks, they might not be buyers at all at the deadline if their next two weeks don't go really well. So let me be clear on that. If the Flyers continue as they are for the next two weeks up until the trade deadline, throw this entire conversation in the garbage. The Flyers aren't acquiring anybody. But if they, you know, win. 75% of their games. They're in a playoff spot. I could see it. Um, Do I think the, that a first round pick is reasonable here? No, probably not. But the flyers do have some interesting options because Nolan Patrick's healthy scratch tonight. I'm not a big fan of his, but he is the type of reclamation project that I could see Eisenman wanting to take on. Um, they have a ton of prospects. You know, I mentioned Ratcliffe. I don't think Cam York will be in play, but you can keep going down the list. Um, you know, maybe Bobby Brinks in play. I don't know. There's options here. I think ultimately, that was just a lot of words. A lot of uh, I'm pulling a Blashill here to say, I think if a trade happens here, it's gonna be Bernier straight up for one half decent asset. But the Red Wings are a good target if Philly is hellbent on moving Goss to Spare. This could be just a message. This could be just for roster flexibility for them. I do really like the idea, if I was a Philly fan, of bringing in Bernier to protect Carter Hart, whether that's a three-team goalie rotation, a more reliable backup, maybe Bernier's the starter because Brian Elliott's really not starter capable anymore. I'd be all on board for the idea. But yeah, if you want if you want to make it complicated, that could go a billion ways. And... uh <laughs> There is the potential for a blockbuster here, but I'm not betting on it.
1: I'm surprised that out of everything that you suggested, you didn't mock up anything for one of your favorite prospects, Zaid Wisdom.
2: Yeah. Oh, have you seen how his season in the AHL has been going? Philly's nuts if they move him. Nuts. He, if they redrafted that draft right now, Zaid Wisdom probably goes in the first round. How does that make
1: you feel? Vindicated. <laughs> but angry <laughs>
2: that he got passed on so many times you have no idea
1: um is there a chance that philly waived Gosses bear as a last second ditch effort to see if someone a very like tampa bay with tyler johnson see if anyone's just willing to take the money for free because they need to move Gosses bear because they're trying to make a move for an ek and
2: ellis absolutely a thousand percent they don't you don't wave a Gosses Bear just for the hell of it because on one hand, yeah, you're, you could send a message to the guy, sure, but there is the possibility you lose him. And as as much as Shane Gossespierre has declined in the last two years, he's not a guy you lose for nothing. So the dollars matter here more than anything. So what Philly is saying is we value that cap space. And you don't value that cap space in the middle of the season Unless you're pl- you're going to try to do something. Now, again, it could be as simple as, hey, if Goss gets claimed, we can just send a draft pick over for Jonathan Bernier. Money in, money out. Don't have to worry about it. But now that didn't happen and that handcuffs what Philly can do at the deadline if they are in a position where they want to do something. So, like I said, the potential for a big trade is here. Not betting on it. But they didn't do this just for the sake of doing this,
1: so a little bit more on Shane Goss spare because we brought him up so spoilers he cleared waivers um twenty seven year old left shooting defenseman um formerly like sixty five point player I believe it was, like absolutely offensive you know phenom at the height of his play, but has severely fallen off um this year seems to be a, a marked improvement over last year, which was exceptionally bad. But he also started slow this year. Uh, he had COVID. Apparently, it took a little while to get up to speed. Um, I asked around. I kind of looked a little bit more into him. He's It's nothing to write home about. Like, when the Red Wings passed on him, I was like, yeah, okay. Like, I was interested to know if they do it. But it's not a needle mover. But if they picked him up, like... These are the same red wings that are trotting out mark Stahl every night they can chart trot, trot out shane goss's and all of this is not considering the 4.5 million dollars for two years beyond this season um which is a very big thing to consider that's probably that well, i mean probably that's definitely why every team in the league passed on him off waivers they're like no in the COVID era we can't afford that many real dollars or salary cap dollars you're gonna have to give us something to take that um, But yeah, I was intrigued because I thought at worst this is a guy who can do second pair or third pair, depending on however Detroit wants to use him. But he can play on the power play, which I thought was very important for Detroit. So um,
2: he's a left shot on the power play, and he would he would immediately be the Red Wings' best power play quarterback option, and I would argue only true quarterback power play uh, power play quarterback option. cuz man a whole another conversation for another day but watching Heronic on the power play now I think I'm over that little experiment not that it was an experiment but he's he's not good in that spot um I like him better on the left half wall a ton
1: more yeah yeah you're talking specifically where he's lining up not on the power play yeah yeah he
2: Heronic is not a the guy that you want quarterback in the power play Hronik's the guy you want on the left half wall just teeing off um but anyways so if anybody's wondering how much cap dollars and real dollars are going to affect this trade deadline, here you go. He's a 27-year-old defenseman who's put up 65 points in a season. Again, Ryan's right. Cap, If you could ignore cap dollars and Flyers went, hey, we're giving Goss to spare away. If anybody wants him, you can have him. 30 teams would have said thank you. 31 because Seattle would have said it as well. It's only two years. That is not a lot. The Red Wings only have Anthony Mantha and Dylan Larkin signed to be on next year. So if they had claimed Bear they would have had three players signed for two years from now. The Red Wings would have had no issues stomaching that contract, but they know the reality of this world. So if you're wondering, you know, is is trade deadline going to get jammed up because of this stuff? Yeah. Absolutely, and here's your big red flag. This yeah. is why guys like Luke, Luke Glendening and Bobby Ryan are going to get just as many phone calls as Taylor Hall. Like, Not that they'll get the same trade return, but there will be ju- just as many, if not more, teams interested in those guys because they can take those guys on because it's one year for basically no money.
1: I love che- Ken Daniels on the broadcast, by the way, pointing out that Evgeny Sveshnikov had more goals in eight games than Taylor Hall did all year.
2: <laughs> oh, put it right into my veins. I love Kenny. Love Kenny. But uh, yeah, because again, I think I'm with Ryan. If the Red Wings passed on Goss Bear, which they did, my reaction would be cool. If the Red Wings claimed Goss to spare, my reaction would have been cool. Fun reclamation project. It worked with Robbie Fabry. Maybe it works with Shane Goss to spare. Who the hell knows? Um, I thought he'd be, if they did claim him, he'd be a good pump and dump candidate you know, give him a shit ton of power play time, put him on the first unit with Philip Peronic or Troy Stetcher if he plays and just try and jack his points up as much as you can. Retain salary and trade him. Because Shane Goss' is spare at, you know, two and a half, three million $3 million, very palatable for 50% of the NHL. So didn't happen. I'm not upset about it. If there's a some big trade worked with Bernier for Goss's bear and a whole bunch of sweeteners and extra parts going in. Cool. Also very okay with that. Uh, quick update for the audio only listeners.
1: Evan did indeed giggle at pump and dump, but not at jack up. So
0: oh, I was laughing at that as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: trying to be a little bit more subtle. Uh, someone pointed out that, um, In our interview with Reese last episode, which you haven't listened, if you haven't listened, please go do it. It was awesome. Um, NHL scout with the Panthers. Uh, He mentioned the 69th overall pick and all three of us could not stifle our laughter. (laughs) We were muted. I
2: I think I even typed in our group chat just nice because I had to get it out. It was it was eating away at my soul.
0: (laughs) He should have known better knowing where what podcast he was coming on.
1: I think maybe he said it as a trap and he maybe was a little disappointed that we didn't bite. Sorry, Yeah, he probably
0: got off the the call and was like, man, I really thought that one was going to be
1: a hit. (laughs) I thought those guys are cool, man. What the hell? Oh, boy. Uh, Okay. more updates on Red Wings uh, trade rumors are certainly to come as we get near the deadline. And we'll also keep you updated on our deadline uh, plans. But for now, uh, let's jump over to. This episode's uh, NHL 20, or twenty twenty one NHL draft prospect profiles. Uh, so we've started those officially last episode. We uh, started with Owen Power, um, and this one we are going to stick with the University of Michigan, and this time talk about the centerman Kent Johnson.
2: The, in my opinion, the most fascinating prospect in this draft. I would argue there is not a single player in this entire draft with more talent and skill than Kent Johnson. That being said, he's most people project him as a winger in the NHL. So take that for what it's worth. And based on the style he plays, I think I agree with that statement. Um, He is, his puck skills are exceptional. He scored a goal in the BCHL last year where in one motion, he received a bouncy pass like uh it was a bobbled puck that came to him behind the net and in one motion he turned it into a lacrosse goal just for the what i'm talking about when i say ridiculous skill the fact he can even think about doing that's one thing and then actually pull it off is insane he is an elite passer uh can make plays through traffic uh can make plays in the middle likes to work off the perimeter very similar to a Trevor Zegras type uh, i actually really think that Johnson and Zegers have a lot more in common than most people admit. Um, good shot. Like when you look at Kent Johnson's tools, there is nothing to not like he, in my opinion right now, before I, I there, I've only done deep dives into like 30% of my top 10 list right now. So for what that's worth, um, he probably has the highest ceiling of anybody in this draft. His his talent is that immense, but he's also like six feet tall and like 120 pounds. I'm exaggerating, but he's, he's far from filled out. And if he does not put on a significant amount of weight, he will get pushed around at the NHL level. That's just the reality of it. That being said... Muscle mass is something people can control largely. So unless he has some condition we're unaware of, I assume he's going to put on weight. If he doesn't, that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> Probably that goes beyond hockey for him. Um, and he is. He, he's that typical offensive guy where you're like, oh, yeah, but he's defensively not great. I think he's defensively adequate. And when a guy's got the talent level this guy does, it is something you can absolutely teach. And if he's playing the wing, that deficiency in his game is sort of masked anyway. He's not being asked to pull a heavy load defensively. So, you know, does it really matter all that much? For wingers, I don't really care how defensively good they are. 90% of the time, just truthfully be competent and you'll be fine. Um, but yeah, he's he's an elite, elite playmaker, elite, elite puck skills, pretty good um, skater zone entry machine he is just everything the red wings don't have right now (laughs) truthfully you put him on the opposite side of a power play with lucas raymond and my god they'll turn the opponent's uh penalty kill into a just a spinning top um so but because he's small because he's not a quote-unquote complete player And because he's a winger, in all likelihood, it scares a lot of teams off. And I'm not going to say rightfully or wrongfully so, but that is in a lot of people's heads. For me personally, he is absolutely in the running for first overall. I I think any team writing him off at number one is making a horrific mistake. I'm not saying he should go there, but he should be considered.
1: One of the hardest things to do when talking about prospects, and as much as we might want to avoid it, if you're going to be projecting prospects, you have to do this: is projecting the translation of their game into the NHL. Pretty much, just saying like, here's the here's their ceiling, and here are their skills, and that's relatively easy to talk about. You know, hockey that that kind of hockey analysis, if if you know what you're doing, comes a little bit easier. But saying this guy will be an NHL player is entirely more difficult, and that's the difference. You know, if you're able to do that consistently, you're not talking on a podcast; you're working for an NHL team, probably. I'm really struggling with Kent Johnson here because what you said is correct. The guy has, you know, highlight real skill like flashy is to is to put it lightly. I just don't know how much of the deficiencies in his game are coming from things that just will make him really super easy to defend against in the NHL or even as he steps into the AHL and how much of it's coming from. He's got a lot of physical maturing to do. Like you said, he weighs like
2: what a buck 60 right now. I think that's the actual number like 165. According to Elite Prospects, he's six foot one, a buck 65. So, for reference, I'm five foot nine and I have 10 pounds on him. Yeah. I just,
1: there's a lot to his game where I'm like, yes, you have an excellent. Like his puck skills are phenomenal. Like the things he does with the puck. Like yeah, Trevor Zegris, same kinds of things flashing your head. But you're like also your your the selection of your plays is weird. Where he chooses to carry the puck and hold the puck as opposed to pass it, which he's has a supreme talent to do, is weird. His shot shot selection's not always been great. And I'm kind of surprised, Brad, because I don't feel like the way he controls the puck, either on zone entries or in the zone, has the kind of pace that you look for usually in a prospect.
2: No, I compare Johnson in terms of my concerns with him a lot to Cole Perfetti last That's year. what I was thinking, yeah. We're going to have a lot of the same conversations about Johnson that we did with Perfetti. That being said, Johnson is bigger and has more room to fill out. I do think Johnson plays a little quicker. Not much, but a little quicker than Perfetti does. And, and truthfully, I, I just like Johnson's skill. More than Perfetti, I think Perfetti reads the play a little better, but yeah it's it's comparables there right now, knowing what I know about Ken Johnson and and if I were to transport back in time and drop him into the 20 uh 20 draft, I flipping a coin between him or Perfetti at five like just as a hypothetical here right now um because I think that's where I had Perfetti ranked on my final but um either way. The thing that I tend to bet on, and this is just me, and we're going to have the polar opposite conversation when we talk about Matt Beniers, because he's the antithesis to Kent Johnson, where he's not supremely skilled, but he just does. <laughs> you tried your best there. I tried. Um, but he's the polar opposite in the sense that he doesn't have the talent that Johnson does, but he's got a complete 200-foot game with almost no warts in his game. So. It's fun because at the top of this draft, we are not not comparing similar players this year, which is kind of nice because Owen Power is vastly different from Brant Clark, who's vastly different from Ken Johnson, who's vastly different from uh, Matt Beneers. But I, I always bet on talent. I think that's what everybody should do at any spot. And I, it's a small thing, but you look for progression from guys, right? Like we always talk about Joe Valeno, like he doesn't get it, but then he gets it. And when he gets it, he gets it. So it, it proves that a player can adapt from one skill, from one level to the next level, so on and so forth. And everybody has a plateau. So it doesn't, it's not your be all end all. Um, but you look at Ken Johnson's first season in the BCHL, 57 games, 46 points. Great, great, great season for a 16-year-old. Nobody's going to argue that. So if he came back and put up 70, 80 points next year, everybody would consider that fantastic progression. He played five less games and put up 101 points. He he went from a a really, really good rookie into that league to comfortably the best player in the entire league by a lot. And he was over a point per game as a freshman in the NCAA I think that's getting a little overlooked here with how stacked Michigan was. Players who are over a point per game after their fourth year in the NCAA get signed as free agents by NHL teams. NHL teams will trip over themselves to sign um, a lot of guys. So I'm uh, everything points to that. Yeah, I think this is going to translate to the NHL because if it does – Johnson's not the type of player who, oh yeah, if he gets to the NHL, you know, but he doesn't reach his full ceiling, he's, he can contribute on the third or fourth line. No, if Johnson gets to the NHL, he's playing in a top six. There's, he is a boomer bust prospect in that sense. He does not have the style of play to play a checking role. So if he gets there, he's going to be at least a reasonable impact player, but there is the exact question of, Will he really get there? Will he be a low end second line winger or will this guy be driving your power play for the next 10 years? And both are very possible.
1: Evan, your thoughts on Kent Johnson?
0: Well, what, what, what is there left to say?
1: One day we'll get like a soundboard integrated thing. I'll have a siren that goes off a whole, the whole business.
0: Um, yeah, Kent Johnson, like, He doesn't stand out to me as a first overall pick. I haven't watched everybody else yet uh, that are projected to be in the top 10 to sort of level set things. But um, I see him as a a really creative playmaker. Um, He's got a decent shot, so he's got that as well. I don't think he's got the top-end speed, kind of like how you guys are talking about Cole Perfetti, but he's still rather small uh, in terms of muscle mass so that could improve uh, for sure um and he makes a lot of flashy plays you know that's great at in the ncaa and the bchl but there's very few guys at the nhl who can get away with that on a consistent basis so you know being flashy is good absolutely good because it shows you have a, a creative bone um but it will be far more difficult to do at, at the professional level. So that's so I wouldn't say a cause for concern, but it's always one of those things in the back of your mind that you're thinking about. Um, but I think he's a, he's a terrific prospect. Um, I just don't know yet if I think he's, he's a number one pick.
1: I think just to wrap up here, what my is two thoughts actually first is if Detroit gets bumped down the order, to like five six seven depending on where they finish this year uh and kent johnson is there i'm perfectly happy with them swinging on kent johnson i think that's great um second byline for this episode evan Lobsinger likes creative bones
2: it's true well to that point my my argument anytime someone takes that it's a lot easier to teach a overly creative player to rein it in a little bit than it is to take an uncreative player and teach him how to do it, period.
1: Yep, totally fair. Uh, and again, like I mentioned last episode, these uh, analyses are preliminary. Like Evan mentioned, we're still kind of getting eyes on a lot of these guys that we haven't had the chance to do deep dives on yet. We are going to be circling back on Kent Johnson. We're going to be circling back on Owen Power. We're going to be circling back on the main players that are in Detroit's range. So consider this part one, but that's just an initial analysis on Kent Johnson. All right. Uh, from around the NHL quickly before we jump into overtime. Uh, Do you guys see the McDavid elbow on Yemi Yep. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, I wonder if his elbow just flashed up there at the end, but he didn't actually make con- make content, uh, contact. Saw so an alternate angle. <laughs> and slowed it down like oh yeah he hit him right in the face with intent five thousand dollar fine yeah here's five bucks fuck off what's he making like 14 million dollars this year or something that's his actual salary
0: whoever were the negotiators on the nhlpa everyone should be trying to hire those people because wow
1: some people think it came in. I think relative to other sports, it came in low. Also, don't forget that uh, McDavid negotiated down on his contract because he wanted the ability for Edmonton to sign other players.
0: No, I was talking about how yeah, low the fines are.
1: Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. The 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 NHL uh, punitive system is basically meant to minimize player da- damages. There was a way, there was an explanation uh, I heard not too long ago on 31 Thoughts that the reason fines are so low is because basically the league would forego any kind of game suspension and just charge players for huge fines because they counted off days and it's this whole complicated thing. Basically, they charge players mass amounts of money and that's why I got reined in. But now it's to the other extreme. Um.
0: That, also, that doesn't sound out of place for the NHL at all.
1: No, no. Uh, Kyle from William and Motown today had a tweet which was like funny but also exceptionally true. No one should be shocked based on what the NHL has decided as a suspension this year and no one should be shocked that they chose not to suspend the face of their league. Does I think
0: cl- this is basically just a a, a a PR play where they say, look, we ha- we don't do preferential treatment. We find the best player in our in the league. That's that's just what I took away from it. I didn't really think much of it at all.
2: So in a bubble, yeah, that should be a game or two pretty easily. And I would argue that even with the point I'm about to make after this, the point I make shouldn't matter in terms of the suspension. So it shill, still should have been a game or two, regardless of if he's a superstar or not, because we know how they've... Um, treated superstars uh in terms of suspensions before See keith comma duncan um but this was a thousand percent understandable by mcdavid in the sense that this guy is getting beat up all over the ice and nothing almost nothing's getting called other sports protect their star players because you need your star players we're not having this conversation if the thousand and one cross checks mcdavid gets in his back are called if the thousand and one um extra little shots he gets after the play are called if the thousand and one hacks on his wrists and ankles and all that are called um obviously slashing gets called more um the roughing is usually very much let go by the refs the cross checks are never called don't even know why cross-checking is a penalty in the NHL because textbook definitions hap- of it happen every shift and it's never called. And for the guys like McDavid, when they're getting it all game, because they the other team knows they're getting away from it. Oh yeah, McDavid's uh, near the boards or in front. Bang, two hands right to the back. Of course he's going to be angry, as he should be. Should he do that? No, because was Kotkaniemi one of the ones that gave him a shot? No, that's that's not yes Perry's thing. So, uh, A- Wrong guy and B still don't do that shit, Connor. Just don't. But we're not having this conversation if the I'm I'm not even saying call it by the rule book. I understand that game management needs to be a thing at least a little bit. But holy shit, call some of them. And and like I said, this doesn't happen.
1: Vancouver lockdown. Thatcher Demko, five years, five million per. Mm. reasonable yeah love it like demko has been great i think five year any long-term contracts i'm immediately scared of just because of history or current contracts in the nhl but hey five million with a cap that will go up probably at the
2: end of that yeah great five million dollars is reasonable for an average for a slightly above average starting goalie and demko has shown more than a few flashes extremely small sample size, but shown more than a few flashes of being a Vesna caliber goalie. He might get Vesna votes this year and Vancouver's horrible. He almost single handedly stole a series from Vegas in last year's playoffs. So he's done this a couple times now in his short career after with really the, he had a bit of a slow start to this season being the only blip he's had so far. Um, um, What's the worst case scenario? Demko regresses into a league average goalie. Contract's still reasonable. You can manage that. You're not searching for a goalie. It's fine. And if he keeps playing like he's been playing and he he hovers reasonably close to his ceiling, this is an unbelievable contract. So it's a gamble because this could go absolutely sideways based on the sample size. But I think it's a very good gamble and one I probably would have also made. All right. Uh, We're going to jump into overtime
1: here. And on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, overtime is sponsored by the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's been a little while. We're going to make some more of our picks and uh, see how much uh, we can get right and how much uh money we can help you guys win. Uh again, the winged Wheel podcast is partnered with the FanDuel Sportsbook, who is the number 1 sports book in America for so many reasons and we will get to that in just a minute, but let's consider some upcoming games and lines and let's see what you guys think about um how you'd make your bets. <sighs> I'm looking at the Panthers in the Red Wings tomorrow and the Panthers are the second heaviest favorites of the night. Only second to the Tampa Bay Lightning over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Are you putting money on the Red Wings at all against the Panthers?
2: Taking my obvious bias aside. Yeah, I might. The Red Wings just got embarrassed. They're going to be pissed off. Hopefully, Stetcher's back in the lineup. And the Panthers are still missing Barkov, Hornquist, and Eckblad. Bobrovsky, for for as much as the Red Wings absolutely collapsed in the first period last game, it was a 1-1 game the rest of the way with Detroit out-shooting them. I understand game score and stuff like that affects it, but Bobrovsky had a few 10-bell saves, and and that game truly was closer than I I think we made it out to be. So I I think if you're ever betting on an underdog, the circumstances you look for are there for this game. So again, it's the Red Wings. Now that I've said this, they're going to lose 11-1. But from a logical standpoint, like taking my, I know how the Red Wings do these things out of it, it could be a pretty good bet considering they are one of the heavier underdogs and all the circumstances I just laid out leading into it. I don't think the
1: Red Wings lose single games. I think the Red Wings play bad and then take four games to kind of get back in a groove. So it's not big money, but I'd, I'd take the heavy favorites. Florida here over under set at five and a half. Under.
0: Well, hopefully, hopefully if you're taking the over Florida's got to score six goals. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know how Blashill gets in these situations. He tries to play low event hockey to begin with after giving up, that many goals that quickly against Florida, you know, he's going to double down on that. Um, so I, I, I'm more confident in taking the under than I am taking the Red Wings to win for whatever that's worth. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: I think Bobrovsky is going to start tomorrow. So that also puts a, a wrinkle into it. What Bobrovsky are you going to get? Are you yeah. going to get the the beach ball Bobrovsky or a Vesna candidate Bobrovsky? So, I think this one's highly variable, so it's it's a tough pick. I I feel like the under, and I'm gonna take Florida just because. How do you p- put any faith in the Red Wings other than hoping that the the betting line is so drastic that it's just <laughs> worth it?
2: I mean, we did see Vesna caliber Bobrovsky yesterday, so yeah. I think I think I'm with you on the for that logic with the under there another line I, my, the visiting canadians are the favorites
1: against the senators and of course it's because it's the sens etc etc and i know they have a ton of besides being a bad team injury stuff right now i don't know the north is wild uh, if you want to if you want a yolo bet uh, the underdog senators there i can't believe it but i think i might actually throw a few bucks on them it would be a stupid game and it'd be a stupid way to win money but that's just what it's all about right like that that screams trap game to me um the whole north like nobody beats who they should and it, it swings wildly so yeah I, I ottawa might be a good opportunity to kind of cash in there
0: ottawa's ottawa ha, also hasn't played in a week so that's he, heavily rested n- neither has heavily mon- rested or heavily rust, rusted heavily. to
2: be fair montreal's played one game since they were off for that week so they're not all that far behind on that one. In that one game, they did beat the ever-living hell out of Edmonton, which is impressive. Montreal might have arguably the best overall team defense in the entire North Division. Ottawa, yeah, they're that little plucky team that could, but God, Montreal has something to play for. They're on the playoff bubble right now. They're in, and I don't think Calgary or Vancouver are going to catch them or even have all that reasonable a chance of catching them. Montreal's not thinking that, though. So, I don't know. I I think I like Montreal in this one.
1: All right. One last quick here. Uh, Boston at home against Pittsburgh. Boston is the favorite over-under set at 5.5. What are your picks? Go.
2: Pittsburgh over.
0: I'll go Boston over.
1: I got Pittsburgh. I got Pittsburgh over. I got Pittsburgh over. I feel good about that one. Okay. Uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. Be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, one 800 with it in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia, or call one 800 270 in Michigan. All right, let's get some uh, overtime questions in here to wrap up the episode. Starting with, uh, and it's a midweek episode, so we are Patreon exclusive. Nick Putty says, congrats, Evan. A 69% down payment really helps get instant equity towards the house. Nice. Josh Yelton says, Hey, Evan, you finally did it. Congratulations. Spencer Knight signed his ELC with the Panthers. I've seen on Twitter that this likely means that Drieger's uh, not uh, likely in their future. Would you want the Red Wings to try to make a run at him at all?
2: Not for anything serious. He doesn't exactly. He, he's on the wrong side of 25 with not a long track record of being. The goalie that he is this year and that track record of being the goalie that he is this year is this year. So if if he was a throw-in in a trade or fairly inexpensive, sure. If we flipped hypothetically one of our rentals to Florida and we got him in return, great. But uh, yeah, he's not a guy I'm sinking any sort of real assets into.
1: Third man in says, hey, boys, I enjoyed the Reese Jessup interview, It was helpful because I've been worrying about the wings ability to win the cup if they are not or sorry, B cup contenders if they're not able to luck into a true one C in the draft lottery. And he reminded us that there's another way. Every so often they do become available in the trade market like Thornton, Sagan, Eichel. So if the wings stay patient and build a strong enough prospect pool, they could be in a position to deal for one in three to five years. Cody Stark says, Jeffrey Blashilla has had my support longer than most other fans. I stuck up for him about halfway through the year. I didn't start badmouthing him or anything. I just stopped sticking up for him. The Stetra scratch now has me badmouthing him. It literally makes zero sense. The explanation, the outcome, the scratch, nothing. Nothing makes sense anymore. You're absolutely right with that last point, Cody. Uh, Andrew Bohan says hello lovely dub dub boys no dumb question this week but congrats Evan no better feeling than when you get the keys to your own place for the first time and realize you can do whatever you want with your own property guaranteed that is going to be golf simulator related for Evan
2: nope yes. Nope. I well, got money he's turning his backyard into a putting green
0: yeah we'll see how long I can live with having to maintain grass and if that's uh, short lived I'll just put some AstroTurf down <laughs>
1: Um, Callan S. asked about Stetcher. Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth says, I realize that I'm not really that bothered with who plays and how we play right now. I just want the season to be over. How about you? Lars, I'm halfway there with you. I, I, I want to have the discussion on those roster decisions because that's obviously what we do. I don't find myself at this point in the season being super upset or super invested because it's not like I love watching the hockey, but it's not important hockey right now. I don't ever want to say I want the season to be over again, though, ever since we lost, you know, half the season to COVID. So I won't say that, but I completely understand the sentiment.
2: I'm I'm of the mindset. I'm concerned the day I stop bitching about lineup decisions or this or that, because that means I don't care. And the day I don't care means the Red Wings have truly bottomed out and that's not good for anybody.
1: And as of right now, who do you fear the most that will lose in the expansion draft? Lars's
2: player is Giovanni Smith. Um who in terms I, I think I don't think we're gonna lose Smith. I think he's probably worth the protection spot because there's not much up front to protect minus Choloski. I like just the way they've mishandled him, if it and if it culminates in Losing him for nothing after the years of mishandling, I'll, it'll never sit right with me. Whether or not he pans out in Seattle or not, we've seen him play extremely well at the NHL level as a rookie. So if it all goes into the shitter from there, that'll never sit right for me. with me.
1: Brent Rasmic says, since becoming GM, what grade would you give Eisman as far as trades he's made, draft selections, and contract extensions? What have you agreed and disagreed with?
2: Uh, trades. I I'll give him a minus. Uh, he hasn't made a ton. Um, the Ernie one all of a sudden looks like it's working out better than we thought. The Robbie Fabry trade is obviously a grand slam. Didn't like the Brendan Perlini for Regula trade. Then don't like it now. Um, not many other ones of consequence. I give him a B-plus on the free agents. He hasn't went big game hunting, so we can't say he's made any grand slams there. But Stetcher's worked out. Merrill's worked out. um, Bobby Ryan's worked out. Like, a lot have worked out. His real only misses have been Philpilla and maybe Grice, but that even is probably too soon to really say.
1: Yeah, like you said, there's just not been general managers in the situation that steve eisman inherited are so locked in that they can't do much so i can't sit here and reasonably say he deserves an a of any kind because there just hasn't been enough work there uh but yeah i feel comfortable with b pluses um the regular trade i thought was worth the risk but now it's probably yeah it's very clearly that just didn't work out it wasn't a good move is what it is it's not earth shattering but if you can go back and change it you would I don't know. It'll depend. I I completely agree. There's just, it's just way too soon. Uh, Craig Kibble says, what's up boys. Do you think there's a locker room issue with Grice outside of the players, not being confident in his play lately? It seems that they don't show up for him. I think his bad play leads to the team playing worse in front of him. Honestly, I think there's some correlation there.
2: I don't know. That could go both ways because sometimes if you know a goalie sucks, you double down on the defense to not allow any shots whatsoever. So, Maybe I, I could see it going both ways, and without getting behind closed doors, I have no way to make a proper guess.
1: And I'm Devin with a very interesting question here: Alfredo or tomato? Tomato, tomato, tomato. Yes, I knew I liked you guys. Tomato with the right amount of salt and basil in there, and that's and that's no slight onto Alfredo, but tomato's the
2: classic. It's an it's a slight on Alfredo to me. It's absolutely overrated.
1: Uh, okay all right
2: (laughs) pasta patriot a pasta
1: bracket because we are not talking about what happened in march madness to michigan uh we should do a part pasta march madness episode i'm not i'm not that big of a pasta guy to be honest who's the one seed who's a one seed in pasta First of all, you both say pasta, so we're going to have to have a fight about that a different day. Uh, a one oh, seed example off. would be <laughs> carbonara, would be a, a one seed in my mind.
0: Oh, I thought you meant actual, just the noodles. Okay. No, no. Yes. no. All dishes. dishes.
1: Yeah. All right, this this has some legs. Jake Nagy says, "With Connor Bedard leading the WHL at 15 years old, I think I'm getting more hyped about him than any prospect the Wings have ever had a chance at. He's got 19 points, all primary, in 10 games. Still early, but is he the best prospects prospect you guys have seen since McDavid?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I am. This is not a slight on Shane Wright because I do still think Shane Wright is a generational player." But when you look at the numbers Connor Bedard is putting up so far, how he's doing it, and comparing it to the other exceptional players. Because remember, he's 15. You look at what Tavares did at the same age, McDavid did, Shane Wright did. Like, the only conclusion I can come to is, holy shit, it is remarkable. <laughs> so thank God uh, well, this year's draft lottery won't preclude... No matter what happens in this year's draft lottery, we will be eligible for both Shane Wright and Connor Bedard.
1: And that says a lot because Miechkoff's going to be coming up. Yeah. You know,
2: Savoy, Lambert. Like, there's a ton of talent coming up. 2021's fun, but the next two drafts are, are life changers. By Felicia
1: says, would having a, a pro, or would having a project defensive prospect like William Wallander in the system give a team like Red Wings pause on taking a guy like Simon Edmondson? Would something like that even factor in? I get taking best player available, but it's interesting from a development staff's perspective. Also, this is not saying a guy like Edmondson's the best player available, just something I've thought about. Really good question there.
2: Make no mistake, teams do factor in position. They'll say best player available, but like it's been on record from several scouts and teams in the past that yeah, position matters. Look at what happened even in recent years with Barrett Hayton and Jesperi caught yeah, because they were centers. Um so yeah, I I absolutely think there's a world where having Wallander, Johansson, um, Son and Sabrango, Viro could make the Red Wings look at Edvinson and go, Yeah, he's good. But we need more goals than take a Dylan Genther or, you know, a Chaz Lucius or, you know, so on and so forth. Uh will trade
1: heroin for goals. Says, rank these goalie prospects. Jesper Wallstead, Spencer Knight, Yaroslav
2: Askarov. For me, Knight, Wallstead, Askarov. Oh,
1: wow. I'm going to go Askarov, Wallstead,
2: Knight. Now that's because it's a tricky question. Because if, if I'm going just on perceived excitement and hype going into the draft, because we've seen what Knight has done since his draft, I'm sold. Like he's been unreal at everything. So he's got a longer track record than the other two. If we're talking just this is what they've done going into their draft year for me, it's Walstedt, Knight, Askarov.
1: Michael Thompson says it's been a few days, but I still can't get the scene out of my head when Rasmussen went full crazy eyes at Wierenski behind the net. Keep him. What's the goalie that has crazy eyes? Is that Cam Talbot? Uh, Jimmy Howard. Jimmy Howard had big crazy eyes. Uh, Yeah. I love when they zoom in on an NHL player's face and he's just like, I'll kill you. You son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'll kill your dead body.
2: (laughs) Oh, Uh, if if you're talking about goalie with crazy eyes, I think we're going to, if you rattled off, Every single goalie in the NHL, you'd be right more than you'd be wrong. The only goal, if you're, oh my God, Robin Leonard. Yes.
1: That's what I'm thinking of. If you're a goalie and you're normal and you look normal and you act normal, you're probably not good. The only exception to that rule is Henrik Lundqvist. Like that's it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, he's Uh, weird just to the other complete opposite end of the spectrum. And how are you so perfect? This isn't right. This isn't normal. (laughs)
1: Evan Beckner says, farting on the bench, funny or dick move? Dick move. Right? If I'm sucking air on the bench, like I'm completely gassed, I do not need to be breathing in your fucking particles.
2: Exactly. That's as bad as letting one go in the living room and saying, hey, anybody smell popcorn? Same vibe. Sorry, who says that? Nobody's pulled that prank on you. It is the worst. Popcorn does it what? I don't get that. So, okay, if you're an evil <laughs> prick of a human being and you're sitting in a room with a bunch of your friends, you let a heinous fart rip and then you say out loud, hey, does anybody smell popcorn? So then everybody goes, oh
1: <laughs> so my they, God. they get an
2: extra whiff of you being a terrible person. Uh,
1: this is worse than you saying pasta.
2: This isn't my idea, and I hate everybody who does it, but it's been done to me, so I'm aware of it.
1: Evan, please, can you get your cool new house so we can hang out alone without Brad? (laughs) I'm trying my best. RC Tendy says, I just realized how disciplined Zadina is. Oh, you know, I haven't realized this. Hasn't taken a penalty this year, and in his
2: full 67 games played, he's only taken one. And he's not shy on getting the puck back which is ultra impressive you'd think there'd be a bunch of hookings and trippings in there just by pure accident Lonnie Zone says
1: Grice's struggles though not fun do make me feel better about Howard some guys like Bernier and Cujo maybe perform well on bad teams it seems others not so much maybe doesn't mean they're hopelessly broken then again maybe not as you guys have taught me goalies are voodoo I just like to think Howard wasn't quite as horrible as he seemed last year just a bad fit for our team in its current state thanks as always Between that and just being tired at the tail end of his career, you are not wrong. A couple more questions here. Ryan Lee says, first off, congrats, Evan. I know the Wings have had a lot of goalie prospects, but none that seem to be considered top tier. Everyone's focusing on Wallstett, but who are the next couple of names? For example, last draft had Nico Dawes and Joel uh, Blomqvist, among others that went in the second. On a separate note, we're getting an NAHL team in my hometown in Alaska. We currently have no real hockey to watch, so it's pretty exciting for us. That's very cool. Love
2: hometown hockey. Uh, Next two for me this year, one would be Sebastian Kosa, who's getting some talk as a potential first-round pick. Huge athletic uh, for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Keep an eye on him. Um, He's not as highly rated, but I've got time for Benjamin Goudreau. Uh, Just because I saw him play as a 16-year-old goalie last year behind a really terrible Sarnia Sting team. And his counting stats are bad, but that's a reflection of the team. That kid stood on his head a ton. So those are the next two in the conversation for me after Wallstead.
1: All right. And the last comment here is from Stay Fresh Cheesebags, who says, "Hey, hey there, fellas. Congrats, Evan. Nice ollie, 69. They really get you, Evan. Um, we did put together some mock trades for Philly. And then he says, also, please don't spam the Discord channels. Thank you. Yes, uh, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags will be helping to moderate the Discord channel. So please be cool in there. It's a good time. Keep it cool. Ozzy for Hall of Fame, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. All right, we are going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, thank you all our Patreon supporters, you guys are incredible. Our name level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartels on behalf of the Sierra Grand Foundation, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of Evans Furk Wagon, Taylor Tadgell, Brandon M, By Felicia, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Greech, Hanali, Hassam Alkassem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Kaelin Wood, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Luke Johnson, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Robert or Matthew M. Rice, Oral Roberts, uh, Fan Club, R. A. Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Antonio Gracias, Connor Leighton, Evans Bingo Card, uh, Fine Crisco, <laughs> Fine Crisco. Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Joseph Minema, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Stan Olson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Trevor Pevovar. Thank you all so much. Take care.